0: Did you ever think being a woman who wanted it all would be so hard? I didn't either. That's why my guest and I are unveiling the issues and challenging the norms of modern womanhood with the intention of exploring and publicly airing the uncomfortable and the unspoken. No topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions that most people are too ashamed to ask. Welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. So, are you in? So I recently, well, not so recently, but a while back now, but it's stuck with me since, read a quote by comedian Ricky Gervais, which said, the best advice I've ever received is no one else knows what they're doing either. This definitely hit home, but I can't help but think people under 30 know even less about what they're doing than the rest of us. I mean, this was certainly the case for me. Like, not only did I spend 11 out of my 12 years at school flunking classes. Sorry, Dad. I also spent most of my 20s struggling to figure out how to adult properly. It seemed impossible that people could stay on top of their bills while simultaneously having a healthy social and family life that didn't conflict with their love life or career, while at the same time sleeping eight hours a night and keeping in shape. Like, what the fuck? How? I remember thinking to myself so often, was I the only one who sucked at adulting? Logging into Facebook and Instagram certainly didn't help with the constant flood of posts by influencers and web celebs who seemed to have their shit way more together than I did. And yet, when I spoke to my girlfriends, a lot of us felt like we were fighting an uphill battle to figure out not only who we were as people, but what it was we wanted to do with our lives and who we wanted to share it with. And what's interesting is how much most of us had grown up believing that as we got older, these things would just fall into place. Like, my university degree was supposed to lead to my dream job at the United Nations, but instead, when I left university, I ended up not only with a huge heap of student debt, but working for a white-collar criminal. I was also supposed to spend my holidays traveling the world, and instead I was more concerned about how I was going to pay my dental bills. Like, I literally still maintain that the Medicare rebate on that is a fucking crime. And I, and a lot of my friends who still live at home with their parents, definitely, definitely thought we would be homeowners by the time we were 30. But my hopes of that seriously started to dwindle the year I spent living on my brother's floor on a blow-up bed that his cat later maliciously popped. And even to this day, I still constantly joke with my friends over how I'm surprised a 10 out of 10 guy hasn't magically climbed out of my TV when I'm at home alone on the couch wearing a face mask eating Messina ice cream. But for some people though, or maybe not people, maybe they're just unicorns, but either way, everything does fall into place for them. Their university degree pays off, they get an early foot into the property market, meet the love of their life, and are publicly lauded as successful before they're even in their late 20s. You know, the doctors, investment bankers, and ballerinas of the world who luckily knew what they wanted from a young age, or less fortunately but more commonly, just pursued what was expected of them. At the more extreme end of this spectrum are the quintessential prodigies, your Mark Zuckerbergs, Whitney and Melanie Perkins, people who by the age of 25 had literally reinvented entire industries, made or are about to make billions, and changed the world for the better or for the worse. And it's like these success stories and prodigies are so freaking celebrated that it almost feels like it's the norm to not only aspire to be like them, but also to actually succeed in being them. But that's the thing that no one actually tells you about growing up. The success stories and prodigies are the exception. Most of us have false starts. Most of us experience twists and turns, setbacks and hurdles, that leave us wondering how there could be such a big difference in our lives between expectation and reality. Like this blows my mind, I remember reading how in Australia the average income is just over $60,000 a year. Like that's far from a doctor or investment banker's salary. And the median age of entering the property market is between 33 and 36. The median age to get married is about 30, and then many of us change careers on average a massive five to seven times. And we're definitely not all game-changing prodigies. So, like, how did we all get it in our heads that we needed, at the very least, to have it all sorted by 30? Now more than ever, youth has become a global currency, and the wonderkind ideal, which is this German word for the wonder child, has become a new cultural hero. You know they're the archetypal early bloomer. They become rich and famous at an early age, are extremely talented, often technologically gifted, or are next-level attractive. Most importantly, though, they're young, and that's what sets them apart. At some point, I think in the early to mid-20th century, the old-money aristocracy was replaced by the aristocracy of the intellect. The people with super, super freakishly high SAT and IQ scores. Nobody cares or idolizes the 70-year-old industrialist billionaire with a good name anymore. We basically now all idolize the so-called wonder kinds. Like this can be found in tiger parenting and what seems like the endless desire parents have to raise extremely talented, ultra-successful children through any means necessary, even at great economic cost or even worse at the cost of a child's well-being. The extent of this can be seen in the private tutoring industry in Australia, which generates literally over $1.4 billion a year thanks to a tutoring arms race between parents desperate to see their children top academic charts or become wonderkind. It's actually also on display on Amazon, where countless books on parenting have names like How I Turned My Daughter Into a Prodigy or Top of the Class and even Raising Smart Kids for Dummies. If you look at the stats even, you can see how all this pressure has contributed to the highest rates of mental health conditions among teenagers in history. Like rates of depression and suicide among children and teens are climbing sharply, while time dedicated to things like free play is decreasing in favor of more time spent studying and at school. This has been accompanied by a generational shift from intrinsic to extrinsic goals. Basically, when studying psych, I learned that intrinsic goals concern things like your development as a person. It's about developing a strong sense of self and a philosophy on life, whereas extrinsic goals are all about things like material gains and other status measurements such as high grades, high incomes, and good looks. But why has our obsession with the Wonderkind ideal become so extreme? I think about this all the time. Like even Forbes, what used to be the home of old money, now issues a Forbes 30 under 30 list every year. In 2014, even Time magazine went further and began an annual list of the most influential teens. And for women, I seriously believe in many ways it's worse. Like, why do we as women feel pressured to have everything figured out so early on in life? I recently watched a series of SK2 videos which highlighted the degree to which women feel pressured into having it all sorted at a young age. In the videos, they basically explain how at a woman's birth, two timelines are created. One representing traditional societal expectations to do with things like education, marriage and family, and the other a woman's own personal aspirations. The videos essentially expose how there is now what is a, I guess you could call, a new generation of women writing their own rules and choosing their own timing, not limited by age. And basically, watching these videos, I think there are about four or six of them which go for about four to six minutes and you should definitely watch them. But anyways, watching them made me think about how everyone's paths in life are different and how we as a collective need to not only close the gap between societal expectations and modern ways of living, but also need to normalize the late bloomer. I'm also so, so, so obsessed with this book I recently read. I seriously told so many people about it and strongly believe it should be required reading in schools. It's called Late Bloomers, The Power of Patience in a World Obsessed with Early Achievement and was written by Rich Carlgaard, this super dope guy who used to be publisher of Forbes magazine. But what's cool is he claims to be a late bloomer. This resonated with me because I too consider myself to be a late bloomer and it gave me comfort as well because he went on to work for one of the best publications in history. But anyways, according to Rich Carlgaard, a late bloomer is a person who fulfills their potential later than expected and often have talents that aren't visible to others initially. But in today's youth-obsessed world, the term often has negative connotations. But after reading the book, I realize how detrimental that is to our society and the people in it. In fact, I don't think late bloomers are really late at all. It's literally society that places these freaking unrealistic expectations on young people. Just thinking about it makes me so mad. Like, I was 17 when I picked the university course that was supposed to determine what career I had as an adult. When you think about it, like properly think about it, how can someone that young with zero real-world experience realistically know what they want to do next year, let alone for the rest of their life? People in their 20s, like I've discussed in a previous app, are equally at risk of choosing the wrong life partner with so little life experience— Like, think about how high divorce rates are among young people. And this is because not only does wisdom take time to develop, so do our brains. Between 18 and 25, most people's brains are not fully adult, but rather in what some researchers call a volatile post-adolescence. What this means is their prefrontal cortexes, which is responsible for higher order brain functioning, which is basically anything involving planning, reasoning, problem solving, and what we might call emotional maturity, are still way off full development. This is super concerning considering we're expected to make some of our most pivotal life decisions before the age of 18 and have everything sorted by the age of 30. Learning that biologically my brain wasn't fully formed until recently made me feel a lot better about having spent the majority of my 20s struggling to adult. And what's interesting is that some researchers are now even controversially calling for a super adolescent period where entry into a too often mundane workforce is delayed in favor of activities that are not only both stimulating and challenging for the brain, but also maintain its plasticity and leave you in a better position in the long term. So what the heck does this all mean? Obviously, I'm not advocating for young people to sit on their asses and do nothing with their lives. But rather, it might be better to take a year or two off after school to not only explore the world, yourself and your passions, but to avoid the potential pitfalls of 9 to 5 culture, which can not only, as most of us know from personal experience, majorly destroy individuality, but suppress brain plasticity and development, leaving you less prepared to tackle dynamic problems later in life. But of course, that's not always possible. But even if your 20s do take you on life's conveyor belt of school to university to a frequently unfulfilling work life, like mine did, that's no reason to give up. I'm convinced that with the right mindset, you can bloom at any stage of life, whether your goals are big or small. You can start that business, find the right partner, write that book, or build a new life in a new place. Basically, I strongly believe there really is no such thing as an expiry date on achieving your dreams. Like, just look at J.K. Rowling, for example, who up until 33 was a struggling single mother before the publication of Harry Potter made her billions. Or there's a Amal Clooney and Cameron Diaz, who found love at 39 and 42. Even famed designer Vera Wang got engaged at 39 and started her business at 40, while Anna Winter was fired at her first job at Harbour's Bazaar at 26, only to become editor-in-chief of Vogue at the age of 39. But the examples don't only come from the world of celebrities and tycoons either. There are countless other women I've either heard of or know personally who have founded small businesses, moved into more fulfilling professions and careers, or found love and started families later in life too. I'm one of them and proud of it. As Rich Carlgaard even explored in Late Bloomers, those of us who thrive later in life have a few advantages over those who find success earlier. Like to name a few, although the book lists way more, which is why you should still definitely read it, we are wiser and have less emotional reactivity. As someone who was highly, highly emotionally reactive in their 20s, I can definitely speak to this. Even Deepak Chopra said, mature workers are less impulsive, less reactive, more creative and more centered. This lets us face the obstacles and hurdles that will naturally pop up when making big changes in our lives more easily. We can fail forward, which is one of my fave ever terms I learned when studying coaching and basically means making sure our mistakes and failures lead to growth and future success rather than us impulsively throwing in the towel. Late bloomers also tend to have more internal motivation. They know what they want and usually pursue careers or businesses that are more authentically aligned with who they are. This is so important because few people succeed in doing something they hate, and our ability to follow through on both big and detail oriented tasks is directly correlated with how much these tasks inspire us. For instance, when I worked in the corporate world, I literally often found myself watching the clock or daydreaming about napping, whereas I'm always excited to get into the studio or interview inspiring modern women now. We're also usually adept generalists, which basically means rather than experts in any one field, we tend to achieve late-blooming success by combining different skills and life experiences to create something powerful. Like in my case, I always knew I wanted to combine my creative side with my desire to help people. I just didn't know what the heck that looked like. I needed my 20s, regardless of how traumatic they often were, to gain academic, corporate, entrepreneurial, and general life experience, unaware that together they would later serve me in not only founding, but relating to this community of modern women." All this actually makes me think of an amazing book I recently read by Carol Dweck called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, which tells us that we should never have a fixed mindset that assumes our character, intelligence, or creative ability are static or that it doesn't change in any meaningful way. The problem with modern society is it makes people believe from a very young age, myself included, that their abilities are fixed. This is actually also true for early bloomers who are equally at risk of developing a fixed mindset about how they achieve their early success. The truth is that although the past can be a helpful tool in evaluating the future, it doesn't actually always predict the future and doesn't take into account people's ability to grow and evolve. What we need is what Carol calls a growth mindset, which thrives on challenge and views failure not as evidence of innate unintelligence or a lack of talent, but as a jumping board for growth and stretching our existing talents. So basically, to sum up, this is what I believe no one fucking tells you about growing up. You don't need to have it all figured out in your 20s. Not many people do. You can use those years for pure exploration. It's kind of like this quite unique, almost twilight-like period, and embracing it can leave you in a great place to bloom later in life. You don't need to be the wonder child. Instead of forcing yourself into someone else's mold, it's so, so essential to not put so much pressure on yourself that you neglect to enjoy the process of discovering your own unique purpose in life. I myself have literally fallen victim to this countless times. And often the obstacles or setbacks you face are actually rerouting you towards what is actually better suited or destined for you. And despite popular opinion, everyone has natural born gifts. I mean, things like character, experience, empathy, wisdom and tenacity and a host of other great qualities are equally as important as your SAT, HSC or IQ scores. There's literally no expiry date on blooming and you should never throw in the towel. You can launch a new career at 39 or find love at 50. You can even rebloom several times over the course of your life. We need to fuck off these fixed mindsets that don't allow for the possibility of self-development and improvement and instead adopt growth mindsets that are positive and forward-looking. If we can actually all do that, not only will we lead happier, healthier lives, but society as a whole will be way better for it. Thank you so much for listening to this Single at 30 episode, What No One Tells You About Growing Up. If you have a question that you want answered or even an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30 or join the Single at 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together.